Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number three of the Debt-Free Dad podcast. Listen, there are some people you should never take financial advice from, and if you do, you may find yourself with an empty bank account. Find out who these people and who these things are coming up on today's episode. Welcome to the Debt-Free Dad podcast, where we're helping normal, everyday people learn how to save money and kick debt so they can live a happier and stress-free life. Now here's your host, Debt-Free Dad, Brad Nelson. Hey everybody, you can find me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search Brad Nelson, Debt-Free Dad. Welcome to today's show. So uh, I nerded out this past weekend, and as we've mentioned in the previous podcast, we, we're recording a few of these episodes before the new year, so you're kind of listening to these a little bit later, but the last Star Wars just came out, and uh, yeah, like I said, I nerded out over this past weekend, was really, really excited, but I was disappointed. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Come on. Come on. Uh, okay. I, the truth is, the verdict is still out. I need to see it. I need to see it one more time. And... um. I just, I, there was so much going on in that movie for me. Like that was just, I, I, I need to see it one more time. The verdict is still out. There are days where it's like, I really liked it. And then there's days where it's like, I, I didn't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I, we seen it and, uh, my daughter went and seen it opening night. Uh, she loved it. So we took her again and she, she was super excited to see it a second time. I think it's funny. Um, this whole, you know, this whole star Wars, uh, you know, the last few years have just been, you know, you've got just this uh, group of uh, people. I think the fans, people our age, you know, they grew up with it. You know, we seen it uh, before, you know, just in its prime when it was just awe, you know, we were awestruck by it. And I think, you know, now you've got that group of people that, I mean, you just, you can't live up to that. We're, you know, I want to live my childhood. I want to go to the theater and feel like I'm living uh, like when I was in the theater watching Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, but here's what I found, you know, with my kids watching it, the last three. Um, have they all been great? No. Uh, but my kids actually really enjoy them. And I think they see it in a way that we saw it when we were kids in a way. I think so. I would I'm somewhat on the same boat as you. Yeah, it was okay. Uh, but they liked it. So I don't want to like ruin that for them and be yeah. like, no, you shouldn't like it. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I took Noah. I took our. Um, you know, he's ten, and he he loved it. And I think there's. You're right. There's no way you're going to be able to make everybody happy when it comes to, you know, those movies. But I I just think there were some, there were some. You know, the the original Star Wars. You know, originally had like these. You know, like more character development type stuff. You got to know the people, and it. it seems like the latest ones are just like one battle scene to the next battle scene. It's just like, yeah. what, what's going on? Like there was just some, there was just some weird thing, but it was fun. It was, it was a good movie. It was very uh, visually appealing. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It was, it was very entertaining, but, uh, but at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know if I was really happy with the way that it, uh, that it all concluded. Amber, what do you think about star Wars? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never seen one. Never, you haven't not seen one. one, not one episode. Not one, maybe wow. pieces of it if Paul's watching, but uh, yeah. I, it never interests me. Um, so I really have no opinion other than how are people spending 
that much time on something that's not that great. I don't think it's that great. I don't know. But maybe it is. You guys love it, right? Uh, <laughs> I gotta give I gotta give my wife credit. She actually went to the last three showings or the the last premiere last three premieres like opening weekend we would go. And she went to all three of them. I was I was pretty impressed and and I even asked her for those lessons. Like you still want to go to this? She's like, Yeah. And she actually really enjoyed them as well. So but uh, but yeah, I'll have to. I think I've got to go see it one more time, and uh, I'm obviously not going to pay for that. I'm going to wait for it to come out on on DVD. But I think, um, you know, I I don't know. There was just some parts that I think I need to rewatch again, and maybe maybe I'll fall in love with this one. So we'll see. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't uh, know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. Uh, let's talk about some money today. So. Today's show kind of comes as a warning. As many of you know, we are here to help you live a happier and stress-free life, but ideally, we'd love for you to finally be able to reach financial freedom like all of us are experiencing. But there are going to be some roadblocks and challenges along the way, and some of those roadblocks could keep you from having any success with your money. So in today's show, we want to reveal who you should never take any financial advice from. And if you do, again, you may find that you're always broke. And I personally believe... And again, not only in my own life, but helping hundreds and now thousands of other people get out of debt. I think one of the biggest reasons why most people are broke and will remain broke isn't because of math or how much money they make. It's because of social influence and the people that we surround ourselves with. I really, truly believe that that plays a huge role in your financial life. And I want to kick today's show off with this quote. I love this quote. It's one of my favorite ones. And I use this in our membership site, Roots Personal Finance, a lot. And uh, it's by C.S. Lewis. And he says, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. And there might be some listeners right now that have just started listening to this. And you're like, what in the heck are these people talking about? Like this, these ideas, these topics, some of the things that we're saying, they may seem so foreign to you that you're just like, these people are freaking crazy. Like this, this, it's just not possible. I got a lot of those people that, you know, told me it wasn't possible too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it happened. They're like, what? You mean you're, you're not going to use any credit cards? How are you going to do that? And I'm like, I'm just going to try and figure it out, <laughs> but it worked. Right. Um, but definitely no, people thought I was a little bit crazy for sure. Um, when I told them that I was going to live debt free. People don't understand the, uh, it, 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 I mean, the quote, the quote kind of sums it all up. Uh, you know, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. Debt is such a normal part of our life and culture that uh, to most people, it's just normal. So there is no uh, reason that, or just to do anything different, people just think you're nuts. You don't, what you're just, there's no way that's possible. Yeah. But that's what I love about this. Like, I remember I, w I was just in Washington, D.C. this past fall, and I was there with another uh, financial coach. It was a financial conference that we had went to. He, he's debt-free as well. And he had a shirt that says, I'm debt-free. And I can't tell you, we were touring and going around Washington, D.C., seeing a lot of the historical sites and stuff. And I can't tell you how many people, at least probably a dozen people throughout the day, stopped him and said, can you show me how to be debt-free? It is such a different, just a different idea 
that a lot of people are just like, when you hear that, I'm debt free. It's one of the reasons, like, you can't see it. Like, if you're watching this on YouTube or a video, like, I can't see it on here, but my computer has debt free on it. And there's been people who have stopped me, like, I'll be working in the airport and they start strike up a conversation about that. Hey, are you really debt free or what is that all about? And I think it's just, it's just this, such a different idea nowadays that I think there's a lot more people interested in than we think that there are. They just don't really quite know the tools and the steps really to kind of reach that. And uh, that's what this podcast is all about. So let's talk about the first group of people uh, that you should not take financial advice from. And the first group is your friends, your family, and your coworkers. Now, I know some of you might be saying, oh, that's like, you know, heartless. You know, I, I, t- I got some really good financial advice from some of, you know, my friends and family. And, and maybe you've got some people that you can trust. But here's what I want to share with you. This statistic from careerbuilder.com says that 78% of people live paycheck to paycheck. That means almost eight out of 10 people, things are going to get very scary if their next paycheck doesn't hit their bank account. And these are the majority of the people that we surround ourselves, just statistically based, just numbers based. You're not around good company in a lot of cases. So we've got to stop kind of taking advice from that inner circle. And for me, that was pretty hard. Like I, I know like, you know, Ryan's my brother, but even, you know, with my other family and my other friends, like I took a, a lot, a lot of, you know, um, I, I wouldn't say, you know, crit, maybe criticism is the right word, even getting made fun of in a lot of cases from other people about wanting to do some of this stuff. It was, it was hard to break away from that. I thought my brother was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the verdict is still out on that. <laughs> No, I, I did. I think I was, I was the 78% of, I was the 78%. I was the person living paycheck to paycheck, uh, just born and bred to, to live in debt. Uh, it's like what everybody does. And, uh, when you started doing things differently, um, I, I just thought you were crazy and it wasn't like I was being rude or I don't love my brother or I thought anything bad. It was just, I, well, good luck with that. Cause that's not ever going to work because <laughs> nobody does that. Um, but you know, over the years it did, uh, every now and then I'd look <laughs> back and they kind of just kept grind, you know, kind of, kind of been that thing in the back of my mind. And the more he was successful with it, it just proved that it was, and that, you know, I didn't have to walk in the same direction as everybody. You know, it, there's nothing that feels better than my brother saying that he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that was a roundabout hey, way to say you're I wrong. But... I didn't say I was wrong. <laughs> that, in, in a roundabout way. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, but anyways, I, I think you know, there was there was this uh, post on Facebook a while back ago. Uh, one of my friends posted this, and they said that this is verbatim. It says, all my friends and family are buying houses. Now, I want to buy one, too. You know, and that's what we got to be careful of is that, you know, we can get drawn into what everybody else is doing, but what everybody else is doing are sadly broke people habits. I mean, it's all you got to do is just look at statistics on money and they are not good. So you've got to start breaking away from what I like to call is that herd mentality where everyone kind of follows the herd. You got to break away from that. You got to start kind of creating your own path and doing some things different. If you want different results, you got to stop doing what everybody else is doing. And uh, that's a big one. I mean, keeping up with the Joneses used to be your neighbors and your friends and family. Now it's social media. Um, I must have saw a half a dozen people post that they got a brand new car this December. So it's it's tough to not want what you see happening outside. <laughs> yeah, and social media is a big one, actually. And I think I think 
I mean, honestly, we say your friends, family, and coworkers with that first tip, but then, you know, this, you know, you brought up social media. We could actually lump it up into that one because that is part of our social circle now is social media. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, you know, on any of these social platforms that you're on. I mean, that is part of your social circle now. And I think the big thing that we have to recognize, and, and it's hard, like even I, even I get sucked into it. I think we're all human. We think we all experience it in the same way. Uh, I think you just have to build some filters and understand what's really happening. I think first and foremost, we need to understand that it's a highlight reel. Like when I post stuff, like I'll, I'll openly admit, the tra- I'll be fully transparent with my social media accounts. I don't go on my social media accounts and share bad stuff. Because to me, that isn't worth always sharing. Like I look at social media as a way to give hope and help out other people and make people laugh and and share the brighter sides. But I don't openly share the like all the bad stuff that happens. Like I just it's just not what I do. It's not in my nature to share negative things. I don't think passing on negative information to other people is really helping out somebody else. That's just how I feel, me personally. And we all have our own opinions when it comes to our social media accounts, but it's just me. So when if you were to go on my social media account, you would think that everything's happy and exciting. But no, I have fights and arguments with my wife. I mean, we we are just normal people. Like, there's things that don't always work out. I wake up some days and I'm not a good person to deal with. <laughs> I mean, it, it's true. I mean, that's the that is the real life. It's it's not always what I put out on social media. And we've got to recognize that other people are doing the same exact thing, and that their life isn't always, you know, sunshine and roses either. Yeah, I think you. You know, you go back to that first statistic, 78% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And I think if you are on social media, looking at social media, I think you probably have the same questions a lot of people have. How are they doing this? How, I mean, how, how, I mean, I work, I put in 40 hours a week. My wife works, we put in 40 hours a week. Man, we deserve that too. I mean, if they can do it, we should do it. And the reality is that most are just doing it with debt. I mean, that's just how it is. So don't, don't let it fool you. Um, I, I've, I've been guilty of it. I posted Disney vacations every year for five years. I charged every single one of them. So I'm not proud of that, but that's reality. Um, I had a huge house posted it on social media. Look at this big, beautiful house. It, I mean, we barely made the payments every month along with everything else, new car, social media payments. So I'm not saying everybody, there's a small group of people that probably post things and they paid cash and that's great. Celebrate that. But most people don't get sucked into how they did it because reality is they just borrowed. Yep. That is, that is the reality. And I think the other thing we got to understand is that, you know, we also got to make sure that we're not posting. (laughs) I see this all the time when it comes to social media, please, I beg of you, please do not post your financial questions on social media. <laughs> Please just don't. I, oh, my wife gets on me this so bad. Like, there'll be people who will post, and I will literally hover over my computer and just wait for the negative, like, like the bad advice to roll in. And it just frustrates me. It infuriates me because this is very destructive for your finances. You have no idea who the other person is on the other end of that typing those responses. And sadly, I see people who actually take this advice and they do what some of these people have told them to do. And it's just making their situation worse. So I strongly recommend make sure you find 
a reputable source. It doesn't have to be me, but it could be somebody you know, somebody that you qualified that actually knows what they're talking about. Because posting these questions on social media, it, it can be very destructive to you and your financial future. So please do me a favor. Please stop doing that. The next area I want to talk about is education. <laughs> now, Ryan, I know we've had this discussion a few times just on, you know, how we feel about education and personal finance in, in the schools. And I think right now there there is this movement, and, and I see it, not maybe, maybe people on the outside who aren't in the financial kind of, I guess, industry who work with people maybe don't see it as much, but there is this movement and push to try to teach more personal finance stuff in school. And, and I would agree with that. I think there needs to be more of that education, but I'm also very guarded about it as well. And uh, I'll give you an example. My son, who is now in fourth grade, when he was in second grade, brought home a second grade social studies book. And in the social studies book, they were doing a lesson on money and personal finance. It was just a basic lesson, not super extensive. I mean, we're talking second grade. But one of the lessons or one of the points that they made in the book it was about this story about a farmer and how the farmer was using money to help him uh, live his daily life and take care of his family and run his farm. And one of the uh, points in there was that when the farmer didn't have money, he used a credit card. And that's essentially what it said. And, and I was like, I was blown away in second grade that they were already putting some of these ideas into his head. And, and I pointed out right away to him when we were going through it, I was like, that's not what we do with money. That's not how we handle money. If you if you can't pay cash, you can't afford it, and we wouldn't use a credit card. And then I went through and I started telling them just age level, you know, some of the things that I had to experience because I used a credit card and how it made my life that much harder. But I mean, I mean, Brian, you've got three kids and going through some of this stuff. I mean, one's in college now, the other one's in high school. I think both of them are in high school now, aren't they? Um, and you, you've been dealing with this a lot more than I have. I mean, Noah's just going into fourth grade, so he hasn't even got through the grunt of some of this stuff, but what, what's your kind of take on doing some of this education stuff and hearing some of this stuff in schools? Yeah, I, <laughs> you might have to stop me. So if I get rolling, here, sorry. <laughs> I, it's, uh, it, it is one of my, it's probably one of my hot button items, uh, with, you know, I just hear, I just see a lot of it lately, especially with the whole student loan crisis we got going on now. There's just this enormous cry for we need uh educate we need financial education in the in high school they gotta have it it needs to be a required course and i'm just sitting here scratching my head going if you're 78 if you're in that 78 percent of people living paycheck to paycheck and you want the schools to teach your kids about finance that's the problem you are the problem and i and, I, and if you're listening to this and you're mad that i said that hey i'm sorry i was the problem i was a bad example for my kids when we were doing the wrong things with money and so i'm not against education but if you go research right now if you start looking up education stuff that's in the school system go look at who sponsors some of that stuff bank 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 of america capital 1 those are the people that are sponsoring those tools that the teachers are then going to teach. So what do you think those <laughs> teachers are going to teach your kid? It's going to be spun in a way that debt is good and it's okay to have it. You it's it. not going to be not this discussion we're having that it's not okay. Um, so I am just, um, I'm not against it, but if it was to be put in the school system, it would, it has to be the right, you, you got to want, it's just got to be the right stuff being taught because what's being taught now um, is 
emergencies are for things like tires or for, you know, just, you know, credit cards are for things that just are not emergencies. And you just, it's a scary, scary thing of, of where it is being taught. I think when you see what it is like that book that your son brought home, um, it is, it, it, it'll just blow your mind what's actually being taught. Yeah. I think Heck, I th- even, even, sorry, Brett, even Monopoly uses plastic cards instead of cash now. Yeah. So even their games are getting into the plastic, um, you know, credit cards and, and that kind of thing. So it's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. I sh- I shared that with, and I, we're going to do, I, I want to do an episode about that and the marketing to kids. Cause my, my daughter just got a little uh purse like a little toy purse and inside it were the five essential things that they needed and one of those essential things guess what it was credit card it was a credit card what you think they would have put like plastic money in it or something no no we're not doing that now we're, we're putting in plastic credit cards and guess who took that away from them? me me i because i don't want her to be exposed to those types of things because that's how early some of these kids are learning some of this stuff so i i think education plays a role in it but I think it needs to be secondary to what they're learning at home. I don't think you could teach your you could teach kids money all all day every day in school, and I think the overall majority of them it wouldn't help them any because they're looking at their role models and their examples at home as their parents, and they're learning most of their habits at home with how to handle money. So I think primary it needs to start at home we've got to start educating our kids about money and personal finance and and because if you don't like like ryan said and even if it's not through the education system the credit card companies are or the bank industry or the financial industry is going to educate them and that's only going to lead to a road of payments and debt and then i think we got to get to the point where that education is more secondary but you've got to play a role in your kids financial education when they're learning this stuff you've got to correct what's wrong and what's right and and give them and show them examples on why this stuff isn't working. So I wanted to make sure we brought that one in today's podcast because there are a lot of people who feel it's just, well, if we just educated people more, it would all go away. Not necessarily because I think it all starts at home. It's the same thing. Like if you sent your kids and we all do, you send our kids to school and they learn about sexual education. You don't let this, well, maybe some parents do, but I know I'm not going to just depend on the school to give a child sexual education. He's going to, they're going to learn that at home too. And they're, and the, the stuff that they learn at school will be secondary to some of the stuff that they learn uh, along with the stuff that they're learning at home too. So I think, you know, we've got to stop depending on the education system to teach them everything. And I think w- as parents, we need to do a better job, especially when it comes to the finances. There's no question about it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with the other tips that we're going to share in today's podcast in just a moment. Hey, imagine a life without payments and debt. I'm telling you, it's possible. Now, I recently launched an incredible free workshop that will walk you through the first steps to reaching a stress-free and debt-free life. Now, the information that we're sharing inside this workshop has helped people save and pay off millions of dollars. And we've had thousands of people now register for this workshop. Now, I was broke at one time too. But by following a simple process, I paid off all of my debts and I now live completely debt-free. And getting out of debt, it's not an easy road. This is hard work. So I know also what works and what doesn't work. And that's why we created this fantastic success path that's removing all of the confusion and it's helping ordinary people have massive results. And I just want to share our success path with you in this workshop. Now, the goal of the workshop is really simple. We want to help you reduce stress. We want to provide you immediate and clear direction. Also give you some really helpful insights and give you some really cool tips to help you discover some of the first steps, some of the first things that you should work on as you get on the road to financial freedom. 
So head on over to therealdebtfreedad.com, click on tools and courses in the menu, and get free access to this course today. Hey, 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 welcome back. So today we're talking about who you should not be taking financial advice from. This is probably going to make some people mad. <laughs> we, might, we might get some angry responses on this one, but it's got to be talked about. The next one I want to talk about is advertising. I mean, I think, you know, advertising and marketing is just, I think it's fascinating. I, I look, and especially from the outside looking in now, uh, now that I'm debt-free, I no longer buy into these these garbage products that are out there that are being sold to most people. And and I look at it from the outside, and and I can kind of see now through X-ray vision what's being what's really happening, how they're spinning these products and making them feel like they should be a regular part of our lives. Let me let me give you two points that I came that I came across when I was researching this topic. The first one is. As soon as chewing gum ads started showing people chewing two pieces of gum, this is fascinating. They started chewing two pieces of gum at once. Sales doubled instantly. And that's because other people also started to chew two pieces of gum at the same time, just like they had seen on TV, which is pretty crazy when you think about that. These, these facts come, by the way, from smallbizgenius.net. I'll be sharing this link in the show notes if you're interested. Another point that this article listed is that advertise off, advertisers often use a technique called effective conditioning, where they take a product and place it next to other things that consumers feel positive about. And think about that when it comes to debt products. For example, detergent brands often associate themselves with babies, sunshine, and flowers, even though detergent doesn't have anything to do with those things. They repeatedly display the brand alongside feel-good images, makes people think more positively about the products. So thinking about that relating to this effective conditioning as it relates to products or debt products, think about credit cards. And the one that immediately comes to my mind, guys, is the Kevin Hart commercial. Do you guys, have you guys seen this one? Guys, I don't I've seen it. Okay. So <laughs> I, think. I, I think Kevin Hart's amazing. I think he's funny. I, I, I love his movies. He's hilarious. But I'm not taking financial advice from Kevin Hart. Check this out. So Kevin Hart's in a grocery store. And he's going through the grocery store and, and talking about the amazing rewards he gets on his credit cards. And at one point, or there's a couple points, but at the one point, he's he's in the like the bakery area and I think it's eclairs he's looking at and you know he's like he's like pointing at the one he wants and the person that's in the back trying to get him the one he wants he she he's pointing he's like no not that one he's like no the other one no the other one he's like you know what never mind just give me all of them give me all of them because he's earning points and rewards on all of that so that suggests that it's not wasteful spending because you're earning more because you spend more. And there's another one in the commercial. And again, this is just like a 30-second commercial. There's so many of these just in this little commercial. He's at the register, and he's got like this really kind of like tropical, organic-like type fruit-looking thing. I don't even know what it is. He doesn't even know what it is, and that's the part. That's kind of the take. He's like, what is this thing anyways? He's like, oh, I'll take it anyways, right? And this, again, is that effective conditioning. One, they're putting Kevin Hart in a commercial. Everyone, well, I shouldn't say everyone. Most people think Kevin Hart's pretty funny, right? They have, they associate that now with the credit card. On top of that, the credit card company is suggesting to you that by spending more, you are earning more and you are being smart with your money. 
So you can see how there that's just two big takes. There's a lot of different ones just in this 30-second commercial. So you can see how these advertising and these commercials play a big role in the financial advice or the messages that we're receiving on a regular basis. Yeah, advertising is everywhere, though, Brad. Like, even when I'm on a plane, like, they're like, get free flights, get points. Every time you fly, you can travel more. Um, or at our, I don't know if this is at any of your gas stations um, in, in the U.S., but here in Canada, there's a particular gas station. There are people outside with clipboards, and they're trying to sell you credit cards for your gas to earn more money. Outside in Canada, <laughs> even in the cold? Even in the cold. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I will say I have to I will give props. I'm going to give props and I'm going to commend uh, the credit card industry and the finance industry um, or the I guess just the debt industry in general. Um, they have done a phenomenal job over the years of conditioning everybody that it that is normal. I think that is by far if you're in business, um, there's businesses we all know if I say uh, soda, we probably think of Coke or Pepsi immediately. If I say shoes, you might think of Nike or Reebok. You just, you, there's just, they've this companies that have done a phenomenal job of just instantly knowing what the product is and being an advocate for it. And they have created a society where most people will advocate their product for them. They don't eat. I mean, yes, they send out a lot of advertising, but word of mouth, and we all know this. I mean, if you tell a friend that a restaurant's great, that's by far better than something they're going to get in the mail. And I think we all, uh, I, I was guilty of it. Brad, when you were uh, going through debt, you even had said, uh, you know, I, I, I thought you were crazy and I tried to convince you otherwise. I basically was their spokesperson for them without them even, I was working for them for free, <laughs> yeah, basically. Exactly. And that's how, that's crazy how all of these tips that we're kind of sharing with you kind of all interweb with each other almost because you're right because not only are we seeing these messages but so is everybody else and if everyone else starts using them then it's like oh well those messages must be right because everybody is doing some of this stuff and you know you mentioned you know the financial industry and, and how impressive they I, I do i think it's absolutely i think marketing and advertising just across the board not just debt is just it is fascinating and i think how products are even marketed obviously it affects um, you know, our spending habits too on how those products are sold to us and, and even the financing that can go along with a lot of the products that we can buy now. So they all kind of intersect somehow. But you mentioned the financial industry. So let's talk about that one next. And people might think that this is crazy, but no, I do not believe with all of my heart that you should never take financial advice from the financial industry. Now, here's why. The financial industry is a for-profit business. All right. They are not in this as a charity. All right. They are in this to make money. So you, I think, and I think this is another way where advertising has played this role where, where anyone who works in the financial industry, they have kind of this, um, maybe expert knowledge, right? And, and they know more than you about money because they hold this position. And I can't tell you that is the furthest thing from the truth. In fact, I've done speaking engagements. I've done courses. I've done classes, workshops. And I've had people from the financial industry come up to me and they tell me I work in the financial industry. I'm a loan officer. I, I help people with financing or whatever it might be. And I can't tell you this information that you shared with me was freaking amazing because I didn't even know 
a lot of the stuff that you're teaching. So you got to be very careful. The people that work in the financial industry still fit in that 78% of people who are living paycheck to paycheck too, right? So you got to be really careful with some of that. One of the things that I do want to share, one story that I know for sure that always kind of keeps me on guard when I take any advice from the financial industry, no matter who it is. When I got my first mortgage, I was sitting down at the table and doing the application process and I didn't make enough money to qualify for my first mortgage. And the right decision for the mortgage company should have been to turn me down and to say, hey, here are some things that you can do to help you afford this mortgage. Either, you know, get rid of some debt, save up for a bigger down payment, whatever it might be. But did they did they do that? No, hell no, they didn't do it. What they ended up doing was fudging my numbers and changing my income to a higher amount so I could qualify for the mortgage. That's how much they're looking out for you. So, so when you hear a mortgage company say that you can afford a mortgage or you hear someone tell you or a car loan company or a car company or an, uh, like a car dealership tell you that you can afford this payment, you cannot listen to these people, all right? You are the only one that can determine what you truly can afford. Do not take them for their financial advice because at the end of the day, they stand to benefit from the advice that they are giving you because it's making them money. Yes, Brad, and I have met a financial advisor at a bank that did show me the snowball method to help me get out of debt. So there are people that will give you good advice, but do your research. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, I got, I got, uh, I get, I get kind of hit on this one. There's been some people that have have gotten upset with me about this because they think I'm ragging on people who work in the financial industry. In fact, some of my good friends work in the financial industry, uh, higher levels up in banks, and sometimes we get into debates about this. And it's not like, no, these people aren't bad. You just need to understand the position that they're in. And they're in the same position as, say, someone who's selling a football or or selling, um, you know, a, a detergent or, or selling any product that's out there. And that's ultimately, at the end of the day, what we need to understand is that debt is a product and they're selling that product to us along with typically the other product that we're getting, which is like the car or the student loan or this other stuff that we're getting with that. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's important, you know, on, you know, from the financial and, you know, the people doing the work, they're not bad people. Um, they're, they're there to, to get you a loan. And I think in a lot of ways, sometimes we look at that and say, well, they helped me get my mortgage and they are there to help you do that. Um, so in that respect, they're doing a good job. But if you're just walking into the bank blindly, and I think this is the important thing, it's just that blind trust. So the question becomes guys is how do you know what's right from wrong? And I guess I'll, I'll rely on you guys. So, you know, over the years that you guys have changed your financial habits, gotten out of debt, what are some things that you guys make sure you're doing, you know, to make sure that the advice that you are getting is, is sound advice. So, you know, what are some steps that you've taken? I joined your course. <laughs> um, <laughs> little plug, just a little plug there. <laughs> I was like, do I say this? No. Um, that's, that's definitely our first big step was jumping in and joining your course. So if, if it's not yours, somebody else, like really find a financial coach that's not in the financial industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point though. I mean, people often wonder like what a financial coach is and not to like plug me or anything or any, like it, just financial coaches in general. I think that's a good resource that you can look for because a financial coach doesn't have, that. like I don't stand to benefit. Like you could leave this podcast today and all the great tips that we're sharing with you and whether you do them or not, it doesn't benefit me in one way or the other. Like like Amber, like for instance, if she took advantage of our course and our education and that's what we're offering and we sell that as a product and 
But to me, the advice that I was giving Amber during that education, it didn't benefit me one way or the other, whether she implemented it or not, because it was up to her at the end of the day to do it. Like, for instance, if when I told her to pay off her debt, it's not like Brad got more money because of that. <laughs> it's just, you know, it, I don't stand to benefit from the advice that I'm giving. That's the other reason why we're not big affiliate marketers, because I want to make sure that the, the products that we're offering, we're offering them because we think they're in the best interest of our, of our people, not because they're making us money. And that's a big difference between a financial coach and other people in the financial industry. You look at a financial advisor. You know, a financial advisor makes money off the advice that they give you because they're selling you financial products. They make money off of commissions and fees for you to invest in those products. Financial coach, again, has an unbiased approach, and their job is just to offer recommendations and suggestions to help you reach your overall goals. And what you end up choosing to do at the end of the day doesn't fill their bank accounts in any or fill their pockets in their bank accounts in any way. Yeah, you got to become your own advocate here. Um, you know, if you want to win with money, um, you can't you can't necessarily rely just on um, on just one person's advice. You really got to start looking at a lot of different things. So if you're looking to make a big uh, move, like a you know buy a house, you're ready to buy a house. Um, don't just go to a bank site to tell you what you can afford. Really do your research. Um, really start uh, educating yourself on the home buying process because once you buy the house, then you got heat and electric and grass to cut and all the maintenance to do. So there's a lot more to it than uh, just that big purchase. So for me, learning what's, what's right from wrong is surrounding yourself with people. Um, I think you got to surround yourself with the right kind of people with the right kind of mindsets um, to also that you can bounce ideas off of. And you're not just running with emotion to do make decisions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, you should get in the habit of just questioning everything you're being fed. Uh, I really do. Like any any financial advice that you're being given, and even this podcast, I'll throw this podcast into it. Like I, I, I challenge people to challenge what we're talking about here and and to make sure that what we are talking about is is in fact going to help you. And obviously I know that because I've helped so many people over the years, but I, I think you need to listen to other people's advice. You need to get that to round out what your opinion is and which direction you want to go on money and and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So I would just, like Ryan said and, and Amber both said, you know, it's just educating yourself, podcasts, books, courses. Uh, I think those are great starts. And a lot of those resources are free and they don't really cost you a whole heck of a lot of money uh, to start looking into. All right, up next, we're going to do the question of the show. Hey, do you have a question about your finances? If so, send us an email at brad at therealdebtfreedad.com, and we will try to get your question on an upcoming episode of our podcast. So today, we've got a question. It says, hey, Brad, I have a dilemma. The only debts that I have are student loans and a mortgage debt. My student loans are over $122,000, while my mortgage is only $85,000. I'm thinking about paying more on my mortgage, but I'm just not sure which is the the better option. What would you do? Guys, and if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to take kind of what my initial response is to this. If it's me, and that's how I'm answering a lot of these questions, if, if Brad was in this situation, what I would do is if you wanted to get out of debt. Me personally, I'm going to attack the student loans, even though they are the bigger debt. Now we're big fans of the debt snowball method. All right. Which is basically listing your debts, smallest to largest and paying them off in that order. But in this situation, I'm going to say, don't do that. And I would say, pay off your student loans 
instead of the house. And here's why. You can't sell your degree to somebody else, all right? So you you can't be like, oh, I got this degree. I don't like it anymore. I'm done with it. I want to sell it to somebody else and get rid of it. You can't do that. With a house, you, you do have those options. You can change your mind about that home if you decide to live in a different area. So you could easily you know, uh, say, I just, I just want to get rid of my house and, and pay off that debt very, very quickly. When it comes to the student loans, you don't have that freedom and flexibility. Those things are going to follow you for the rest of your life. So I would recommend that you focus on paying off the student loans first. I think you could do it in a little different way. Um, by maybe opting for, if you're not already a biweekly payment for your mortgage so that it does get paid off quickly, uh, or a little quicker while tackling the student loans. Yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. I think, you know, that's not a, you're not putting a huge amount to it, but still that can cut off, uh, depending on your mortgage, if it's a 30, you know, if you, I don't know your situation, if that's a 30 year mortgage, you could cut off significant amount of interest just by doing that. Yeah. I think they say like, if you can make one extra payment, it'll, it'll wipe out, I mean, just one extra payment a year on your mortgage can wipe out a significant amount of interest and years off of, of the loan for sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know enough, you know, about this person's situation. You know, I, I can't really say this is exactly what I would do. Um, you know, I think, you know, people, I think sometimes we tend to look at student loans as kind of like, it's okay to have it. Um, this person may, may not, I don't know, but I, I just get the sense in the question of, um, you know, that you just, you kind of have it and it's okay to have it. And I would just challenge that it's $122,000 in loans. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's a debt. Um, and it's never going to go away. You can't claim bankruptcy. You can't foreclose. It can never be, you just can never get rid of student loan debt. So I would attack it with everything I have. You say student loans. So I'm also at wondering, is it one loan of 122 or is it a bunch of loans that equal 122? Because Again, then we can go to the snowball method. What's the lowest one you have? Start attacking that. Um, I'm going to throw out a crazy idea. Again, I don't know your situation. You owe 85 on a house. I don't know what the house is worth. Um, If it was worth a significant amount of money, uh, if it were me, I would even maybe be toying with that idea of selling the house and taking the equity I make and just paying off the loans and being debt free. Um, that's probably the best I, advice I could give based on the, the question. Yeah. I think if the goal is debt freedom, I think it's it's definitely an option that you could uh, totally consider. And I kind of like what Amber said, you know, same thing. I mean, it, you could you could do both technically at the same time. I'm not a big fan of diluting efforts, though. I, I, I'm kind of a big fan of just using, you know, intense focus on just one thing. You know, so if I would just pick one. But... If you did and that makes you feel better, it's just, you know, like she said, do bi-weeklies or pay that one extra payment a year. Uh, that could most certainly help you for sure. But yeah, same thing. Like if, if there's, and that's typically what happens. In most cases when I work with people and they tell me they have $122,000 in student loan debt, like Ryan said, it's it's usually not one loan. It's like 10 or 12 other loans and they're all different types of amounts. And as you pay those off, those are going to free up your cash flow as you work on paying those items down. Hey guys, thanks for hanging out with me today and uh, talking about this amazing topic that we'll probably get some hate mail about. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you guys on our next episode. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. We love your feedback and it also helps us grow our podcast. So please leave us some honest reviews in Apple Podcasts. We read every single one of those. And as you know, the Debt Free Dad podcast is here to help you live a happier and stress-free financial life. So if you know someone who could benefit from our show 
we would greatly appreciate you giving us a quick share. We appreciate you, and we can't wait to see you in our next episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Dad Podcast. For more free resources to kick debt and financial stress, head over to therealdebtfreedad.com.